I'm Meg Dahl, your unbreakable host. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to a brand new episode of the Unbreakable You podcast. Now, I am so excited to be sitting down with you today, and I am just going to be completely like transparent with where I'm at right now. So today was just like one of those days where it's like gloomy outside and my period is on her way. So earlier today, I was feeling exceptionally hermit-like. I just kind of wanted to make myself a tea, turn off all forms of social media and kind of not talk to anyone today. I just wanted to basically curl up with Penny and not do a single thing. But here I am. It's the afternoon and honestly, I'm kind of feeling feisty right now. I'm really excited to sit down and record this podcast episode for you. So hopefully you're in the mood for some reflections because that's exactly what we're doing today. So I have talked about the work that I'm doing within somatic experiencing in a previous episode. And shockingly, I think that episode was released way, way back in November. I thought it was a lot more recently than that. But if you have not listened to my episode where essentially I do a deep dive and I answer all of your questions asking me about what somatic experiencing is and like what that actually looks like because it's a huge part of how I support my clients in our one-on-one sessions and I have actually been studying somatic experiencing since the summer of 2021. So that's kind of what I plan to talk about today. So rather than this being like a deep dive in somatic experiencing, which like I said, I've done an episode like that already, I will link it up in the show notes. But today's episode is really just going to be you and I sitting down together, getting cozy together, because let's be honest, that is what I am in the mood for very cozy vibes today and I am going to be sharing my reflections with you from the past year and a half. Now I have now completed my first two levels or my first two years of somatic experiencing. So to be a fully certified somatic experiencing practitioner There's a beginning level, which includes three modules, a intermediate level, which includes three modules. And then in your final year, there is an advanced level. And this is 
two modules, but they're longer than the previous modules. So anyways, earlier this month here in March, I actually completed my intermediate year. So my first two years of somatic experiencing certification or studying, you know, I have completed that and it felt very like monumental or significant when I completed my tr- my latest module and I just wanted to take some time and do some reflecting with you. Now, I personally am in like I'm a fan of even numbers. <laughs> so, this is just like a very very random fun fact about myself, but if I'm going to the grocery store and let's say I have oranges on my shopping list, I will never buy five oranges. I'm either going to buy four oranges, six oranges, eight oranges. Like it has to be an even number. And let's be honest, like two oranges is just this two little oranges. I'm never going to buy two of something. So anyways, that's just a fun fact about me. I love even numbers. Now, when I completed my latest module of somatic experiencing, I took some time to do some reflecting and I had like a really good journal session about some of like the main things that stood out to me from when I first started this training a year and a half ago and it's bothering me because (laughs) I have seven like highlighted kind of themes that I want to talk to you about today so at this point I have seven things to get through but we will see if by the end of this maybe something pops into my head and we end on a high note with eight different topics. We'll see what happens. And if that doesn't happen, well, I'm just going to have to basically deal with an odd number today. You know, I'm just going to have to deal with it. But I guess (laughs) that kind of brings us into our very first topic. And As I was, like I said, I I really sat down, I had a really great journal session and I just allowed whatever wanted to come up to come up from the past year and a half. Like some of my biggest like takeaways or the things that I noticed in myself to be the biggest shifts within me since I started studying somatic experiencing. So number one, I want to talk about capacity. Now, building capacity is something that is quite often talked about in the somatic world or like the trauma healing world or even like nervous system work. We talk about building capacity. And what this means, building capacity, is your ability to go through life and still be able to be present in your life or be with these times in life that bring in like activation and still be there without feeling like this is too much. I cannot 
handle this. I can't, like, I don't have the capacity for this. Right. And so that's the first thing I want to talk about because over the past year and a half, since I started studying somatic experiencing, I like, this is one of the biggest things for me is my own personal capacity has grown so much. Now, since I started studying somatic experiencing, like I said earlier, I have now completed six modules of this certification. And reflecting back on that first module, and really a lot of these reflections that I'm talking about today came up for me when I reflected back on where I was personally during like that first module and I just like kind of let whatever needed to come up come up so like I said capacity was this first thing that really came up to me for me and one thing that I just noticed right away was my capacity to I mean, just like my capacity has grown so much, but an example of how it has grown is during my first somatic experiencing module. Now, all of my modules have been online, so I was fortunate to be able to like stay at home and study. I definitely learn my best when I am at home. So I am definitely grateful to have been at home, but all of my modules took place on Zoom. So basically it was me logging on Zoom every single day for four days from 10 till five at night. And there's like a hundred other students on these calls. And I remember after I was done my very first module ever. So this was back in the summer of 2021. I was, I felt so activated even after the first day of being around all those people, even if I wasn't like in their physical presence, right? Like we're not in the same room, but we were interacting all day on Zoom. And it was so much for my nervous system. I remember that. I remember feeling so activated. I actually, like I have vivid memories of like feeling like I was just buzzing from everyone else's energy and it just felt like so much for me and so I remember taking a walk around the block and just feeling so activated I was holding on to a lot of emotions as well that like weren't mine you know I was holding on to a lot of emotions from the other people in my class that I only interacted with online, but still that kind of shows you how significant Zoom is. And honestly, like what an amazing place because that's where I meet my clients. We meet on Zoom and it's so incredible how you can interact with someone on Zoom and it really does feel like you're with them. So anyways, that is one of the biggest things for me is noticing how much greater my capacity is to move through challenging times in my life and not even challenging times, but just, you know, for an example, like I said, my very first module, I was just 
buzzing, so activated, even after the first day. And now after completing my sixth module, I'm like nearly in tears after I'm done the module because I just want to keep showing up to these classes. Like it's not too much for me anymore. So I just notice how much my capacity has grown. And even like client wise, here's another great example of how my personal capacity has grown over the last year and a half. Um, About a year and a half ago, I think my like I I felt like two to three clients a day was my max like I felt like at the end of the day if I saw three clients all three of those clients got a hundred percent of me you know and I also felt like if I saw any more clients in that day over the three clients I would start feeling like I just did not have enough to pour into these other clients. So I never scheduled more than three clients in a day prior to doing this work for the past year and a half. Now I actually schedule like four to five clients every day. And I feel like I have so much capacity to hold my client stuff, right? Because my clients come into my sessions or our sessions with their own stuff that they want, you know, support with. That's what I'm here for. And it's really like, that was such a eye-opening thing for me to witness how much my own capacity has grown. So I can hold space for people who are moving through activation and need that space, need that supportive um, space that I can hold for them. And yeah, I'm just so grateful that my capacity to move through these times of activation without feeling like it's too much for me. It's, it's pretty incredible how much my capacity has grown since I've started doing this work. And before I actually move on, Maybe this is number eight, actually. So I'll save it till the end. So I just added an even number. So we're all good. We can keep moving on. So number two, the next thing that I reflected on was just like my own understanding of my own nervous system. So part of somatic work is like we're working with the nervous system as a somatic practitioner or a somatic coach, as that person holding space for the client who is receiving that somatic support, we are tracking where the client is within their nervous system. Are they in ventral vagal? Are they in dorsal? Are they in sympathetic? We're really wanting, like that is one of our jobs as a somatic coach. And so just understanding the nervous system in general is huge for like studying somatic experiencing, but this reflection of mine is not only do do I have a greater understanding of just the nervous system in general, but I have a greater understanding of my own nervous system. So the two most common places where a nervous system might go when activated, and I really should record an entire podcast episode all about this. So 
you can also get a greater understanding of your nervous system. But basically, we can go into a sympathetic state. And I think that's what a lot of you might be most familiar with. So sympathetic is also commonly referred to as the fight or flight state. And so if we, if something happens and our self-protection responses come online, we might be pulled into that state of sympathetic. So that fight or flight. And then the next state that we might enter, if that's not really where we need to be, or if it's not providing us with the support that we need, we're going to go into dorsal, which is that freeze state. And so, you know, like, like I said, somatic experiencing has like my studies for the past year and a half has given me such a greater understanding of just how the nervous system works, but then also my own nervous system. And I love what Deb Dana, she's like a leading voice in the polyvagal world. And I love how she says, we all have a home away from home. And when she says this, what she means is we all have a home in ventral. And what ventral is, it's the state of our nervous system when we are regulated, when we are actually present and connected to that presence when we're not in a state of activation or those self-protection responses aren't online. And so we all have a home there, but then she says we all have a home away from home. And I really loved when she said this because most of us will probably be able to say we resonate with having a home in that fight or flight. So is that kind of like your default Response Is that the default self-protection response that comes online when it needs to, essentially? And the other option, or one of the other options, would be having a home in dorsal. So that would be like your home away from home, in that dorsal freeze shutdown state. And one of my greatest understandings of myself is that, yeah, my home away from home is in that dorsal state. So what that means for me is having that knowledge about myself and about my own nervous system, I can actually recognize that in myself. It is very, very like seldom that I'm actually moving into that fight or flight response. And that dorsal, that freeze, that shutdown is so familiar to me. And I can recognize that in myself when there's things going on in my life and all of a sudden I I see that particular self-protection response coming online and it is so fascinating to have this deeper understanding about the nervous system in general but also my own specifically and this is something that like if you work with me so if you're one of my clients listening to this episode right now I know that you also have a deeper understanding of your nervous system, even just after a few sessions together, because that's part of the work that we do inside our sessions. Now, the third point I want to talk about is nervous system flexibility. So this actually kind of goes somewhat hand in hand with what I talked about regarding capacity. So 
I talked about how my capacity has grown since doing this somatic work. Now, what nervous system flexibility means is that when we are moving through life and these activating things come our way or these triggers come our way, so things happen that cause activation within our system, which cause like a self-protection response to come online. What nervous system flexibility means is we're not actually getting stuck in one of those self-protection responses. So years ago, like pre doing somatic work, I may have encountered a trigger in my life which would have caused an activation within my nervous system and signaled for one of my self-protection responses to come online and save me, right? And that's the purpose. Now, what it means to have nervous system flexibility is these self-protection responses come online, but we're not actually stuck in them. So, you know, we can enter maybe this state of dorsal or we can enter this sympathetic state, but then without much effort and once once we kind of move through that, we're just easily returning back into this state of regulation. So we're back into that ventral vagal state, whereas prior to doing somatic work and building my capacity, that flexibility wasn't there. So if an activation or a trigger happened, I was basically like staying or feeling much more stuck or was stuck in those self-protection responses or in those activated states. Now, the next thing that I want to talk about, and I did talk a little bit or a lot about this in my podcast episode about somatic experiencing, just doing that deep dive. But honestly, my understanding of trauma, this is a huge, huge takeaway. And I think I just have like the ability to talk about trauma with more ease, but just overall the understanding of what trauma actually is. So If you're not familiar, or maybe you missed my episode about somatic experiencing, trauma isn't the event. So it's not the actual event that is the trauma. It's how the event actually impacts your nervous system. And that has been a huge, huge takeaway for me. I truly, prior to studying somatic experiencing, I'm not sure if I actually knew that. Like, I'm not sure if I actually fully comprehended that trauma was how an event impacted your nervous system and not actually the event itself. Because, you know, I I think going through an eating disorder is extremely challenging but if you kind of look at my life events you know I I really the events in my life that took place aren't really these 
huge things. You know, like I, I grew up with incredible parents and I was brought up in a loving home. I'm an only child. And honestly, like my parents are my best friends. And the reason I'm sharing this is that's kind of a lot of people's mindset when they hear trauma. It's like, wait, I grew up in this really great household. My parents were awesome. They're my best friends or, you know, nothing really traumatic happened to me growing up. I hear that a lot. And it's so, so important that you know that trauma isn't actually the event, but how it impacts your nervous system. And so it could be anything. Anything could have happened in your life growing up. And it's all about how it impacted your nervous system. Now, it could be something that happened too fast for you, something that happened too soon for you or something that felt like it was too much for your nervous system to handle at that time. Those are three examples of how something can actually result in being a traumatic experience. And like I said, that is one of my biggest takeaways from the past year and a half. Another understanding that I'm walking away with is just my understanding of somatic work. I I really can't remember if I shared this in my last episode about somatic experiencing, but honestly, as like woo-woo and out there as this sounds, I just kept getting these inner whispers to study somatics. I didn't know really, like I couldn't actually describe what it was. You know, I, my fiance, he asked me and I sent him a link. Like this was years ago when I decided to start studying somatic experiencing. But honestly, the reason I started studying it was I kept getting this inner whisper saying that I, I was just being told that I needed to study this. And obviously now I have this really great understanding about what somatic work is and it really is and body work. But if you've been listening up until now, you know, we really do integrate, um, working with the nervous system. That's a huge part of somatic work. And if you wanted somewhat of a visual of what somatic work is, it's neck down. So we do talk in session. (laughs) We do talk in session, but it's not very like cognitive. There is going to be cognitive pieces, of course. My clients are brilliant people. And what's so incredible about somatic work is like our body really, really does actually hold on to a story. There's many books about this. One is called The Body Keeps the Score. Um, And that's probably one of the most commonly talked about ones. However, there are many, many books about this. But I just wanted to name that book because I'm not the one like coming up with saying that your body does hold on to a story but somatic work really does honor that 
And that's what we're most curious about in a somatic session, not the memories that you remember or the memories that your mind holds on to or the meaning that your tra- that your mind is like trying to make of this event. But what is it that the nervous system is telling us? It is seriously so incredibly fascinating and I see this in my clients every single week. Every single day I meet with my clients, I am seeing their nervous systems share a story that there might not even be any memories tied to. I actually personally had a experience kind of like this. We were so in my somatic experiencing training, we actually do like practice sessions with our classmates. So someone is in the practitioner role, someone's in the client role, and then someone's always observing. And then of course, we're paired with an assistant teacher that helps us along as well and is there for support, answering any questions or giving us tips and stuff like that. But anyways, when I was in the client role in one of these practice sessions, it was so interesting to me because memories I couldn't even think of just started to kind of come up for me not in an overwhelming way during this practice session, but it was like my nervous system just continued to gently reveal things that it was holding onto that I had no idea were even there. And it is so incredibly fascinating to experience this for myself, but then also in my clients as well. So the next thing I want to talk about is my relationship with slowness. Now, my relationship with slowness has really changed over the past year and a half. Now, when I started my somatic experiencing training, I had already gotten my period back. And let me tell you, my hypothalamic amenorrhea journey, that really launched my healing journey with my relationship to slowness like I was absolutely stuck in that fight or flight that sympathetic I was always go 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 I was always on and I could not just chill the f out I couldn't so I must say that all of the work that I did during my hypothalamic amenorrhea journey really was that starting point for me in healing my relationship with slowness. However, while I was moving through my somatic experiencing training, a huge part of being a somatic experiencing practitioner is like you have to be able to go slow. So that's another, I I often get asked when I have discovery calls with potential clients, I'm often asked like, okay, what does a session, you know, maybe look like? And honestly, that's such a hard question to answer because all of my clients are different and therefore all of our sessions are incredibly different. Every session is meeting 
my client where they're at, where their nervous system is at, and no one's nervous system is the exact same. So I do not follow some type of flow or schedule or agenda for my clients. Every session is completely different. However, we go slow. We go really slow because trauma healing and healing in general is not meant to be fast. It's not meant to be a quick fix. But remember what I said before, a trauma can be the result of something happening too fast or too soon. So the last thing we want to do in a somatic experiencing therapy session is do anything too much, too fast, too soon. We don't want to do any of that. So we go slow. And that is exactly what the nervous system needs. So my relationship with slowness has continued to evolve and deepen and expand over the past year and a half. So I think like I, my journey with going slow started back in like 2018 However, it's so cool that I'm actually able to like sit in session with my clients and be comfortable with going slow for them. I think that's so huge, but I also personally, I think I've just like majorly slowed down (laughs) since doing all of my own somatic work. And then another very important thing about somatic experiencing is curiosity And this is point seven that I have, uh, reflection number seven, which means we have one more to go. But um, I've really deepened my curiosity over the past year and a half since studying somatic experiencing. So like I said earlier, as a somatic experiencing practitioner, in session, one of our goals is to track the client's nervous system. We want to know what it's doing. And honestly, we can't do that without curiosity. So growing and building my ability to be curious with my clients, what their nervous system is doing, or even what their parts are trying to communicate to me. Because, you know, I don't only do somatic work, but I also do parts work with my clients. And being curious is so incredibly important. And, you know, this is important for me as a practitioner, but also in my own life. Maybe I'm feeling activated or triggered instead of going right into meaning making or even deeper into the activation. I'm actually able to remain curious with that activation or not go straight into meaning making, but get curious about hey, what is this? What is this all about? And that is not only like life-changing, but honestly, if you're able to be curious with yourself and the people around you, I think that's a huge piece to being free. And like I said, it's just a huge piece to healing. So the last and eighth even number (laughs) reflection point I want to share with you is so this is just like part of the training 
again, I really don't think I mentioned this in my first episode about somatic experiencing, but part of the training program and to be like fully certified in somatic experiencing, we actually have to do our own work. And the reason I saved this reflection piece for the last one is because everything that I shared with you today, so everything from building my own capacity, understanding my own nervous system, growing my, or being able to notice like more nervous system flexibility within myself, deepening my understanding of trauma, deepening my understanding of somatic work, completely shifting my relationship with slowness and also deepening my um, ability to be curious. None of that would have actually been possible if I didn't do the work myself. I'm so big on doing the work myself because here's one thing that I know is I will never be able to support my clients in going deeper within their journey if I have not already gone deep within myself. So basically the school of thought is, is we can only guide our clients as deep as we are willing to go within our own selves. And so that's one thing that I really, really appreciate about this somatic experiencing training is not only am I required to show up and attend my classes and complete these modules, but outside of classes, we actually have to do our own therapy work. So we work with a somatic experiencing practitioner and we're doing our own somatic work personally outside of sessions or outside of our training. And it's funny because I actually have my own personal session this evening with my very own somatic experiencing practitioner. So I'm very much looking forward to that. And something else I just like, this is kind of random, but I think it'll just give some of you at least like a little bit of an idea of the power of healing and just even like the possibility for you. So there was one time in my life where if I heard someone, like if I found out someone went to therapy, like if my friend or, you know, if I found out someone was like, oh, hey, I'm going to therapy, I could not comprehend, like I I didn't know what people would talk about in therapy except food. Like to me, if I went to a therapy session years ago, I couldn't even fathom talk about, talking about anything other than food. And that's just like gives you a glimpse of how still like deeply I was struggling with food. I just felt like if anyone went to therapy, they were probably talking about food because like what else would anyone be talking about? That's how how big it was in my life. Now, years later, I have never, literally never talked to my therapist about food before because it just, it's not something that comes up for me. It's definitely not something I need to be talking to a therapist about. And it's so liberating 
realizing like, oh, wow, I have a therapy session this evening and I have something to talk about. You know, I have something in mind that I want to talk to my therapist about this evening. And it is so liberating that it has nothing to do with food. So I just thought I would share that random tidbit. And honestly, this is what I see in my clients so often too. They come to me initially with struggles with food and that's, you know, often one of their main focuses when working with me. And what's so cool is that once we start working together and after a period of time, our sessions become less and less about food and the topic completely changes. It is so cool how that happens because I think we realize we kind of heal those wounds around food, but then we also kind of realize that, hey, it was actually never about the food. It's about this other stuff, you know, and we start exploring that other stuff. Anyways, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I really enjoyed just chilling with you today and sharing some reflections with you today. I will be traveling next week, but since I took the week off of podcasting last week, I do really want to put out a podcast episode for you this coming Wednesday next week. So stay tuned. I'm not sure what I have planned for you, (laughs) but I hope you all are doing well and we'll be back together soon. Oh, 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 oh